It's good to be back here with you, back here in front of you, back here worshiping in this place with you who are here and those who are online as well. Pastor Eric mentioned this, but I'll introduce myself again. My name is Pastor Peter, I guess. I'm still getting used to that. I'm a student right now. I'm interning here at Mountain View for the next year as I discern a call to ministry, as I discern where God is leading me in leading you. And as I do that, I work with Pastor Eric and the rest of the leadership team here at Mountain View. And it's exciting to be doing this with you. As I mentioned, if you were here a couple weeks ago, as I figure this out, I think I got it. I'll do what Pastor Eric does, make sure it's there and here. Okay, good. See, I'm learning something already. Um, uh, three weeks ago, I started here, and Pastor Eric had asked me to do a series on going back to the basics, looking at Christianity, looking at faith, looking at what it means to be followers of Jesus. And so that first service, I looked at church, and what is church? Uh, besides a building, church can be a verb. So what does it mean to be church, to do church? And then Pastor Eric preached on creation. And though that wasn't part of a Back to the Basic series, creation is a pretty basic element of what it means to be Christian. And Pastor Eric talked about God forming the world, forming rhythm, forming patterns in that. And then Pastor Eric last week talked about Sabbath, one of those rhythms of creation, a rhythm of rest, and Jesus as that rest. And so today, as we continue to explore the basics, I decided to talk about the gospel. And immediately after choosing that, I somewhat regretted it in a sense because the gospel is a huge concept. It's basic, but there's so much stuff to say about it. I talked to one pastor this week who told me, he said, Peter, it's okay. God used four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to try to tell us about gospel. You could probably just get up there and read all four of those. And while he said that in jest, there's a point to that. That's important to be reading the gospel. Because I can say a couple things today. I can try to point you in directions. I can let you know what I sat with all week and the joy that I began to experience just sitting in the word but you won't experience that the same way until you also read it, until you take time to meet Jesus. And so today we're looking at the gospel. And I think what we're going to do, if I can go back, no, that's fine. Today we're going to look at the gospel. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but today I want to do it thinking of our hands and our feet. And it's a practical way to think of gospel. It's a way we can all look at our hands or our feet. And I invite you to do that throughout the service. I'm going to invite you to look at your hands. And I'm going to ask that you maybe actually do it. I know sometimes we're invited to do those things and, ah, the pastor's just saying that. But do it. Because my hope as we leave this place is that when we see our hands, we think of some of the things that we talked about today. And so look at your hands. Hands tell a story. Hands are part of identity. Your hands, maybe Jen, who was leading us in worship, was told when she was younger that your fingers are great for playing the piano, and that might become part of her identity. If you garden or landscape, there might be dirt under your nails. If you do construction or play guitar, maybe you have calluses in places. Maybe your hands show different stories. Maybe there's scars from things that have happened along the way. 
But whatever they show, your hands tell that story. Young hands, older hands, hands that don't work the same way they used to, hands that never worked how you wanted them to. And so today, as we think about the gospel, we'll keep looking at those hands because hands are something you automatically take home with you. And I hope that when you see those hands, you think of some of these things. And so today we're going to start by turning to the gospel. We're not reading all four of them, although I'll encourage you, but we're starting in Mark 1. And I have it here, but I'm going to read it off the screen. And Mark starts his gospel, his book, by saying, this is the beginning of the good news, the gospel about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he describes John the Baptist coming, and in Mark 1.14, Mark writes, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then John 3.16 and further kind of sums up some of this. When Jesus, teaching the crowd, says, For God so loved the world, and we sang about this, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name, the power of that name we sang about, of God's one and only son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it can be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of or through God." So we talk about these hands, as I said, as a sense of identity, a gospel with hands and feet. But if we're going to keep using this word gospel, I think it's important to start to define it. And gospel, simply defined, is good news. And it's not just good news as an object. I'm not going to turn it into a verb. Done that, been there. But gospel is good news, but good news that is being announced or good news that is being proclaimed. So it's not gospel until that action is happening, until other people are hearing about it. And so if gospel is good news being proclaimed, then the next question that would follow is, what exactly is being proclaimed? And if Jesus came and said these words that we read in Mark, that a new kingdom is here, and this is the good news, and if Mark writes, this is the gospel of Jesus, We don't hear the word the same way the people then would have heard the word. That word for gospel that's used in Hebrew in the Old Testament, I'm not going to try the pronunciation, we won't remember it anyway. The word that's used for gospel in Greek in the New Testament, this gospel had military connotations a lot of the time. Gospel was good news being proclaimed, but being proclaimed about a victory about some sort of military victory that had happened. And if you think about it, they didn't have TV and news and cell phones and all of that. And so the king would be sitting in his palace, the people would be sitting in their city, and they would know that a war was happening somewhere. 
either their kingdom was trying to expand or another kingdom was challenging them, but they were sitting at home. Others were fighting with their hands and feet trying to win, and they were just sitting there waiting. And they would wait for that messenger who would run from the scene of the battle, probably bruised and bloody feet from running a long distance, and that messenger would proclaim good news of victory. And so they had to wait to hear what that messenger was going to say. And so when Jesus comes and starts talking about these words of good news, these words of gospel, then people listened. Even if you weren't aware of a war going on, if a messenger came and pronounced good news of a new kingdom, you had to listen because this new kingdom might affect you. And so Jesus was getting their attention with good news and gospel. Still got to get used to this part of it. It's behind me. And so we go back to the beginning. And in the beginning of Mark, Mark uses that word. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. And the word that Mark uses, beginning, might remind us, it would have reminded the people then, of a different beginning. Pastor Eric preached about that two weeks ago, and you might recognize beginning from Genesis 1 verse 1 that says, in the beginning... God created the world. There it is. And so we have a gospel of creation. A gospel of God, and we're going to look at our hands again, or you remember our hands. God used his hands. God formed the world. As Pastor Eric talked about, God used his hands and separated light and darkness. He separated land and water. And then God pronounced gospel over it. God said, this is a new kingdom I have created, and this is good. This is good news. But God wasn't done there. God took those hands, reached in the dust, and formed humans, formed us. And we are made in the image of God. God's hands created these hands. And while there's debate what exactly that image means, we are image bearers. And when you look at your hands, that is something that you need to see as well. We are made in the image of God. And again, God pronounced gospel. Good news. He said, look at these people that I have put in my kingdom. They are very good. So look at your hands. Your hands, part of your identity, is image bearers of a creator God. Your hands show that you are part of a kingdom God created and you were made very good. But if we're going to follow Mark along from the beginning as he intended in this book, then we can't skip a broken gospel. Because these hands that were created in the image of God, hands that were meant to live in a kingdom, rebelled, chose a different kingdom. And you might know that story. Hands reached up and grabbed a fruit that was not allowed. Hands shared that fruit with others who also took bites. And then feet ran away from God in the garden as he came to walk with his people. At that time, we chose a different kingdom, we decided we didn't want God's kingdom. We wanted to do things our way. And a different kingdom declared victory 
that day. I picture a gospel messenger and it wasn't in that kingdom. The kingdom of darkness said, we got them. We have won a victory here. And that's not great news. And you might be, Pastor Peter, why are we talking about that? That doesn't sound like good news at all. And we look at our hands and we can see scars. We feel pain. We think of hands that used to know us, used to love us, that aren't here anymore. And the thing is, we need to remember this. Mark knows that in starting at the beginning because we can't understand good news unless we know why there's good news. We're not going to understand victory if we don't understand what victory is from. And so we need to look at our hands and realize we have chosen often a kingdom of darkness. And that darkness got a hold of us. And we read that in John, that people chose darkness instead of light. And we're guilty of that. But there's good news there too. Because on that very day, in the same passage where you read about people making choices for a kingdom of darkness, God steps in and makes a promise. And he says, you may have made this choice, but I'm making a choice too. And I am going to send someone, I'm going to send my hands and my feet to rescue you from this kingdom. And if you read it there, God even uses the language of a foot that's going to crush a serpent's head. An analogy of crushing that kingdom of darkness. Victory is declared in that same moment that we chose a different kingdom. And God makes a covenant. And you may have heard that language before, where God makes a promise saying, I will be your God, and kind of asks, are you willing to be my people? And we have a choice to make within that. And God says, I am going to hold on to you no matter what. This is my kingdom. I will be your king. I will send someone to rescue you from the choices that you made. And God promises to hold us. So again, look at your hands. Your hands have probably held things that are precious to you. You know what that looks like. You know what that feels like. And God, in covenant, is making that promise the same way. God's hands will hold you. And despite of the choice of a different kingdom, despite the choice to, to not follow what God had said, God promised still to hold you. And then if you know the Old Testament at all, if you've read through some of that, even if you've just lived, you know that cycle that started to happen. This tugging of two different kingdoms. This kingdom of darkness that did not let people go. And so God's people, us included, have often started to raise hands to other gods, to build altars to other gods, knees bowed in other kingdoms. And eventually, you see God's people with their hands bound, their feet walking into exile, again having chosen a kingdom of darkness. But that's not where it ends either, because when that happened and they remembered God's and hands, or God and hands raised to God, God heard them. God's hands intervened, and the people were set free into a different land. And you read it, and that cycle goes over and over again. God's kingdom, but we can't quite lose this kingdom of darkness, but then God's kingdom again. And as I sat with that this week, I just pictured all these messengers going back and forth, and one day the messenger was in another kingdom saying, we did it, we won, we had victory over the people of God. 
And years later, that messenger, a different messenger, would run to the kingdom of Israel or the God's people and say, we're free again. God has saved us. And that cycle continued. The good news, who's proclaiming the victory? And that cycle just kept going. And I picture a hand grasping the ankles of God's people from the kingdom of darkness saying, you're not allowed to leave. You made this choice. You can't go. You're stuck. And so something new needed to happen. And I think that's why Mark starts with this is the beginning. The beginning of a gospel of Jesus. The beginning of something new. And you see, Mark and all of us, we can't forget the past. That is part of it. That has led us to where we are. Hands that created, hands made in the image of God, hands that are broken and scarred are part of our story. I think of it as a, as I often do, as a sports analogy. You might have a team that you really like, and they might have a really, we'll say hockey, a really bad first period. And they go to the locker room and they talk about it, and you see someone interviewing one of those players, and that player says, but it's the second period now, we have a fresh start. That fresh start doesn't mean the first period did not exist. The score doesn't go back to zero. They still live with that, but they can start new. They have a new plan. They have an ongoing goal within the next two periods. And I think about this in the Gospel of Mark and with Jesus. All of that is important. All of that is the story. But now there's something new. So we have that beginning of a new gospel. And we have Jesus coming. And as we read in Mark 1:14, Jesus said, the new kingdom is here the time has come. And what's awesome about this is God sent hands and feet made human to bring this message. I, I think of Jesus running from a scene of some sort of battle to the people at that day saying, a new kingdom is here. The time has come. I'm here to announce good news of a victory. And the exciting thing about Jesus was he wasn't just a messenger of that. He was the message. It was through Jesus that that victory was even happening. It was the hands and feet that were promised long ago that were finally coming to save us from that grasp of that kingdom. And so we have Jesus as messenger, Jesus as message, proclaiming good news of some victory. And I get excited about that. I've had to sit in that this week. And as I'm standing here singing these songs, I'm overjoyed with that message of the gospel that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And I find it great that it doesn't say God so loved his people. God so loved the good people. God so loved the perfect ones who have it all figured out. God loved his world so much that he sent his son to save it from the hands that clenched from the kingdom of darkness. And then I started thinking this week of Jesus and Jesus' hands and feet, hands and feet of the gospel. And I paid attention and I invite you to do that too this week. What were Jesus' hands and feet doing? As he claimed to be that messenger sent from God saying good news, how did he do that? And the first thing you see Jesus doing with his hands is beckoning. Come follow me. I've got some good news. Walk with me. 
Come learn about this kingdom. Come see the kingdom things that are happening around you. I'm the messenger. I'm the message. Come hang out. Come learn. And then you see Jesus teaching us how to pray. You see Jesus breaking bread and sharing that with everyone. Not just the people who were like him. Not just the people who were meant to be in the areas that he was. He shared that with prostitutes, with tax collectors, with people that the church said, should they be here? Jesus broke bread and shared it with them. Jesus also embraced little children. And he embraced a lot more than little children. He embraced all of those people, those tax collectors, those prostitutes. He embraced them and welcomed them as well. And Jesus also, yeah, so Jesus embraced those people and welcomed them into the kingdom. Jesus touched people. And Jesus touched the unclean, the people you weren't supposed to touch, and instead of becoming unclean himself, Jesus made them clean. He raised people from the dead. He touched people who were bleeding, and the bleeding stopped. He took mud and rubbed it on someone's eyes, and that person could see. These were signs of a kingdom. Can you see the kingdom in those things? Because the people started to see that. The people followed him because healing was happening, things that they did not understand. A kingdom that had not been theirs was slowly entering. But then some things changed. Because those hands of Jesus picked up a cross. Those feet of Jesus shuffled under the weight of that cross. And eventually those hands and feet that had been so active, that had given signs of a kingdom, those hands and feet were nailed to a cross. And those hands and feet of Jesus seemed to be immobilized. And what was happening? Jesus, your hands and feet were bringing a kingdom, we saw it, and now you're hanging there? But behind the scenes, those hands and feet were not stuck. Those hands and feet were winning a victory. We're fighting a battle with a kingdom of darkness. And just a few days later, those hands rolled back a stone. Those feet walked out of a tomb. And Jesus said, like a song we sang earlier, I have defeated death. Death has no sting. And you can only understand that when you know the feeling of death. When you know the feeling of the kingdom of darkness that does not want to let you go. But Jesus' hands and feet, hanging on a cross, fought that battle, and he won. And we are welcomed into a kingdom because of that. Can you see that kingdom? And so now what? What do we do with that? And to be honest, I started this sermon, I chose a title of Gospel of Hands and Feet because I wanted to spend a little time talking about the gospel and a lot of time of... Now what do we do? What do our hands and feet do? Where do we go and do this and do that? Because I like that application of, okay, yeah, the gospel, but now what do we do? And I had to sit and think of that this week. And I had to change the whole plan and ending of the sermon because I didn't feel comfortable with that. I needed to know, this fly is really having fun here. I needed to just sit in the gospel this week. And so now what? I invite you to do the same, to sit in that good news. God so loved the world that he sent his son for you. 
And what's awesome about this is if you've received good news, if you were sick or know someone who was sick, and the doctor says, hey, everything that was going on isn't going on anymore, the doctor doesn't have to tell you, now go tell people and go do this and go do this and be happy. When you hear that good news and really understand it, you change. That gospel will be proclaimed whether you're trying to or not. And so I invite you as a now what to just sit in that. As Pastor Eric talked about last week, find rest. Find rest in the fact that Jesus came as message and as messenger to save us from a kingdom of darkness. I think that application part can sometimes be a, I don't know, a sticking point in our culture. I've been to Niagara Falls lots of times where I see so many people just taking pictures of it, just taking videos to send to all these people. And it's rare to see someone just standing there soaking it all in. I have conversations with friends who read a headline and then think they can tell me about the whole article and everything that was in it, and all they read was the headline. And so I invite you with the gospel, maybe something, probably something you've heard before, to sit with it. To not just say, yeah, that's the gospel, I get it, good news, Jesus came. But to really sit with it. I had to learn that this week. I had to put aside those books and just sit with it. And the joy that I felt was different than when I just try to study it. So sit and rest for a bit in that gospel. Then I had to include this. If you have to do something, there's those of us here who have to. If you have to do something, read the gospel. You can start in Genesis and read the whole thing. Pick something like Mark and read it through and pay attention to what is happening. Pay attention to a coming kingdom. Pay attention to a king. Pay attention to what hands and feet of Jesus are doing and what hands and feet of those hearing the gospel are doing. Pay attention. And I invite you one last time here to look at your hands. To look at your hands and think of God's hands that created. To think of your hands as you were made in the image of God and you were made good. Think of your hands and remember the scars. And then think of the hands of Jesus. Hands and feet that did not choose to stay in heaven in some other place, but hands and feet that choose to, chose to come here to know you, to love you, and to set you free. I think as you take on the good news, your hands and feet become beautiful things. Your hands and feet become beautiful messengers of that gospel. The hands and feet of Jesus become beautiful also. Isaiah 52 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good joy, good news. That's the gospel. You are loved so much that Jesus sent his only son, not to tell you the things you were doing wrong, not to condemn you for not escaping that kingdom of darkness on your own, but Jesus sent his, or God sent his only son to save you. And if you read that last bit of John, people are going to notice. People are going to see the things that God is doing when we as a people sit in that good news. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join me in prayer.
Lord, I thank you for this gospel. I thank you for this good news. I thank you for a week for me that I didn't just look at the theology and try to figure it out, but thank you for showing me what you did for all of us. And Lord, I pray that as we read the gospel, as we sit in this message, as we sit in your love, that we can understand that. That our feet can become beautiful things that just without even trying, share that gospel with others. And Jesus, I welcome that kingdom. I welcome your good news into this place, into our lives, that we may be people of a new kingdom people of a gospel, of a good news, of a victory that you've won. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.